Second Chronicles, chapter 26. Second Chronicles, the 26th chapter. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about being undone. Sometimes you can have a, an encounter with the Lord that is so powerful that you feel like there's nothing left of you and it's all Him. Uh, and I believe we need uh, more of these. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask you to help Jonathan and myself and Vova, Joseph, the translators, to step into that anointing you have for us. I ask you to speak to your children. Give us open hearts. Lord, change us. Holy Spirit, come on us. Change us by the power of your spirit. In Yeshua's name. Amen. There was a wonderful king named Uzziah. He was blessed by God for 50 years. For many, many years, he walked with God. God prospered him. He, uh, he rebuilt parts of Jerusalem. He had a huge army that was well-trained. He helped the irrigation, uh, the, the ecology of Israel with digging wells. In every way, he was a successful king. The people loved him. He was gracious to them. And if you look at verse 5, it says, He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding of the visions of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So if you want God to continue to prosper you, you need to continually seek the Lord. And if you look at... Um, Let's go over to say to verse uh, 15. He made inventions in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men to be on the towers, the corners, to shoot arrows and large stones. His fame spread far and wide, and he was miraculously helped until he became strong. The anointing of God and the power of God for years, for decades, prospered this wonderful king was famous. Everybody knew about him. In verse 16, but when he was strong in his heart, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. As he became this powerful, well-known king for years, his heart was lifted up in pride. And this is such a warning to all of us. When God blesses you, when he prospers you, when he, use, when he uses you, don't ever forget it's all him. And when we begin to think it's ourself, that's dangerous. And that's what, that's what happened to this man. After walking with the Lord all these years, pride entered in. And look what happened. Verse 16. He transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Only the consecrated priests, only those who had been set aside to God were to come in there, into the temple, and burn the incense. But the king, one day, late in his life, after walking with the Lord for 50 years, knowing Everything about the order of the temple worship, he, he, 
he took it upon himself to go into the, the temple and burn incense. And when the priests saw it, they were horrified. Eighty of them came after him. Imagine if I was doing something here against God's will and against God's plan, and all of a sudden, 80 priests showed up and tried to drag me out of here. Well, that's what happened. And look what they said to him. Verse 18, they stood against the king and said, it's not for you to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who were consecrated to burn incense. So get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. He's in the holy place. The priests come in and say to him, you know what you're doing is trespassing against the holiness of God. Now, what would we do? This is the turning point of this man's life. He could have said, you're right. He could have said, oh, God, forgive me. He could have said to the priest, forgive me. But he didn't. And look what he did. He became furious. He exploded in anger in the holy place, in the temple, transgressing against God's order. It says he became furious and he had a censer in his hand, verse 19, in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. Eighty priests are trying to get this thing out of his hand. He's fighting with them. He's furious with them. And he won't let go of his sin. With 80 priests telling him, what you're doing is terrible. And all of a sudden, leprosy breaks out on his part. Unclean. Unclean. Unclean, they said, of the lepers. Now, somebody loaned us a book recently. It was written by uh, a doctor who grew up in India, a believer, who ministered to lepers for years and years and years. And one of the things he says about leprosy is that it's a bacteria. It begins as bacteria. Little plants, little poisonous growths. And if you don't deal with them soon, it's when it starts, they, they bring disease. So this leprosy had been under his skin. But now it became a swelling. And then it becomes a deformity. Your body gets deformed wherever it happens to be. And one of the terrible things about leprosy is that you lose the sensation in your body of wherever the leprous growth is. You can't feel anything. So it means you lose the ability to experience pain. So if my hand was leprous, it would lose its ability to feel anything. I could have it leaning in a fire and it would burn off and I wouldn't feel anything. Thank God for pain. Thank God that pain tells us something. Aren't you glad if your, children, if your child puts his finger in a flame, he'll only do it once? So this underlying growth in this man all of a sudden becomes manifest at the crisis of his life. You'll know a person when there's a crisis. What's really going on underneath? And yet this man had been so prosperous. 
But he held on to his sin. He didn't repent. And it says he was cut off. He was, he was set aside where no one could go and be around him because he was unclean. And on his tombstone, it probably said he was a leper. You look at verse 23. The last things that said about him was he was a leper. Not he was this great king that helped the, the water supply of his nation. He had done all these good works for 50 years. And at the end of his life, through pride, through presumption, presuming that he could do something the Lord told him not to do, he comes against the holiness of God and the holiness of God's house. He's confronted with his sin. He's in denial. He won't even, he won't even accept it. So he's punished. This story has always been such a um, strong warning to me. And I hope to you. You see, I, I feel that uh, Uzziah had lost the ability to really feel and experience the presence of God. Otherwise, how could he have done such a And then get caught at it. And the 80 priests come and say, this is what he did. And just explode in fury. There was something that had happened to him over the years that he'd lost the ability to really experience the relationship and the presence of God. For we as believers, we need to guard ourselves against this. Now we can find ourselves just going through the motions, disobeying the word of God, and we get used to it, and we lose the ability to even realize we need to experience the presence of God. Now, Isaiah was his prophet. Isaiah was the prophet to Uzziah. So he found out all about this. It must have shattered him because he was the counselor to the king. And when Isaiah found out, can you imagine what he must have thought? He's a leper. All this has been hidden all these years. What's going to happen to the nation? He was the king that everybody looked up to. He did such good, wonderful things. God's hand was on him for years. We saw God prosper him. And so Isaiah, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, the scholars tell us it was on Yom Kippur. Heir of Yom Kippur, the, the, the Day of Atonement was just beginning in the year that King Uzziah died. First, let's look at chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I've thought about this for years. And uh, I wondered, what was Isaiah going through? The king that he had nurtured and instructed and prayed for and saw him grow in the things of God for years is cut off from his people and is diseased with leprosy. Now, evidently, it was Yom Kippur. And in that year, it was a jubilee year. It's not Yavel. It was one of the years, after 50 years, when all the captives, all the slaves were set free. And maybe Isaiah, the prophet, because it was Yom Kippur, because he was fasting, 
Maybe he was going up to the temple. We don't know, but, but it evidently was Yom Kippur, and he probably was. And in those days, we're told that when the high priest on the day of Yom Kippur would take the blood of an animal and go in behind the veil where the kaparah was, where the mercy seat was, and where the two angels were, and where the Shekinah glory of God was manifested, he would splash the blood all over the mercy seat. Well, the people knew that that was the Holy of Holies. No one went in there except once a year, and that was the high priest. And so historians tell us that sometimes they would tie a rope around the high priest's leg. And the reason they did it was that that place was so holy that if he went in there and there was any sin in his life, he would drop dead and they would drag him out. That's how holy the people saw this place. And so here's the great prophet Isaiah who's already had all these amazing revelations that are in the book. Perhaps he was coming toward the, 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 the literal temple in Jerusalem where, where this terrible thing had happened. But as he does, in this jubilee year, where all the captives were going to be set free, he has a vision of the Lord. I wonder if Isaiah had said, God, why did this happen? What, what am I supposed to do about this? How could the king have had this leprosy of sin hidden all these years? And as maybe he was crying out to the Lord on the day of Yom Kippur, repenting for his own sin, he's, he has a vision of the Lord. Adon, Adonai. He has a vision of Adonai, high and lifted up. It's like he gets a vision of what the temple in Jerusalem really represents. <laughs> and he was sitting on a throne. And it says, the train of his robe filled the whole temple. Now we know the robe of the king was magnificent and glorious to behold. But he's looking at the king of kings. And in this vision, it was like the veil here had been drawn aside. And that Isaiah was, saw in the spirit what this really represented on earth. And you know his garment is all light. This shimmering, light-filled garment filled the whole temple. It was dazzling. It was blind. Can you imagine walking up here on next Shabbat? And we see the Lord high and lifted up. And there's this garment of dazzling light and we can't even get in the place. He was having an, he was about to be undone. Hallelujah. When I met, met the Lord years ago in New York, I was in a meeting. I walked in. The presence of God was in the place. All of a sudden, I couldn't stand up. I fell on my knees. I started weeping. I started sobbing. And the Lord appeared to me. And he's all light. And I was filthy. I was unclean. And I knew it. And I wanted to crawl away from it. And I told him, I'm sorry. And he forgave me. 
And all of a sudden, all this guilt was lifted off of me. But all I can tell you, when I, when I stumbled out of that place into the daylight of New York City, I had been undone. And I knew I would never be the same. Whatever happened in that encounter with the Holy One of Israel, I mean, I stumbled into my apartment and sat there and wondered, what has happened? Everything's different. And I was undone. And so Isaiah, on this Yom Kippur, has this shattering vision of the dazzling beauty and holiness of the King of Kings. And if that wasn't enough, he has even much more. Look what he sees. Above the throne, above the king, were these fiery angels flying back and forth. Fiery ones. Angels on fire. And, 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 and all, the only thing they can sing is, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Imagine Isaiah seeing this, looking into heaven. And they had different wings, and they covered their They couldn't look at the glory of God. They, they covered their feet. You know, feet in the Bible represent our walk. I mean, we need to walk carefully with the Lord. Like, their wings were even covering their feet. They were covering their eyes. And all they could sing or, or shout or scream or whatever they were doing was kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. The whole earth is filled full of his glory. I mean, this man was having an encounter with God. But he had been crying out, I'm sure, about what's going to happen now? What about the nation? The king has fallen. And as he sees these angelic, fiery beings singing kadosh, and, and this, this garment of, of, of bright light that you, that you can't look at, you know what happens? The temple doorway, the threshold, it's like he's outside this celestial temple and the threshold, the doorway starts to shake. The whole house was shaken. The foundations of the house were being shaken. Look at verse 4. The posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled smoke. Hallelujah. The voice. The dough. The building started shaking. My friends, God wants to shake our foundation. If anything in your foundation, in your relationship with him is sand, he's going to shake it. The place was shaking. When that first scud hit Haifa on the first night of the Gulf War, and this, this mountain shook as we, ran through, as we ran through the night, let me tell you something. My foundations were shaken. <laughs> There's smoke everywhere. You know why? It was like the building, the temple, had been seized by the holiness of God. Why was there smoke? Because there was a fire. There was a victim burning an animal. And the smoke was filling the house. He couldn't go in there. You and I couldn't go in there. Those 80 priests, they couldn't go in there. It was so awesome what he was seeing. Because he must have been saying, what's going to happen to us now? What about 
the nation with the king falling. It was a confrontation with the holiness of God. He's holy. We're not. We have a problem. And then he says, be ye holy as I am holy. God would never tell us to do anything unless he would empower us to do it. So look what happened. As he sees this, as he experiences this, I have been in, I've had encounters with the Lord. I remember one, in fact, it was, we, just, we just had one in Italy. There was silence. Nobody could move. You know what had just been shared? That Auschwitz, Mengele, who was experimenting on Jewish people, he stood there as the trains came in and would look at somebody and say, to the right, to the right, which meant you were going into the ovens to die, into the gas chamber. Or maybe look at this one and say, uh, left, she, she'll be a prostitute for the Nazis till she dies. Uh, oh, twins, uh, yeah, we're going to experiment on you. Oh, you look strong enough. We're going to put you in slave labor. You'll last another six months. To the right, to the right, to the left. And of course, the poor Jews didn't know where they were going or what was happening. But you know, when he comes in his glory, he's going to stand. And the sheep and the goats are going to be in front of him. And it's going to be too late. He says, to the right, left. And why? What you did to these, the least of my brethren, you did unto me. How we treat each other. Not only that, how we treat the Jewish people is what it means. What are these nations going to do if they haven't repented over this? And when we finally got into this at the end of this conference, I just want to tell you, there was silence everywhere. I looked, I looked at the apostle who over this man. We didn't know what. We were undone. It was a holy encounter, Lord. We are hurtling toward, through the end time. The birth pangs are getting faster, faster. The situation with Iran is a reality. And we could go on and on. These are times when we need encounters with the Holy One of Israel. Now look what happens to this great prophet. He, he was a great man of God. He prophesied the word of God. And look what, he, what happened. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Isaiah was undone. It means he was ruined. He was destroyed. When, when we get a glimpse of who he really is, it ruins us. It messes us up. You know what? I ask the Lord, mess me up some more. Because when you have these kind of encounters with him, and we see who he is, we realize there's no good thing in me. It's all him. And I need, I need to get rid of me and get more of him. And look what he says. He confesses his sin. He sees in the holiness of God that my heart is unclean. That's why I have unclean lips. 
because out of the out of the heart the mouth speaks. The great prophet repents. The king wouldn't repent. The king held on to what he was doing that was wrong. And he says, you know, he must have been thinking, how could the king sin like that? And then he meets the Holy One, and he realizes, I'm a sinner too. Who am I to be pointing the finger at the king? I have unclean lips. Maybe I've been saying things I shouldn't be saying. And if I have, that means my heart is unclean. This is a broken and contrite heart. Hallelujah. The high and holy one who lives in eternity. He also lives in the humble heart. And so he confesses. I'm a sinner. I'm unclean. And he, look, look what he says. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. Imagine Isaiah having this awesome vision of God. The smoke, the, light, the garment that, that is so dazzling you can't look at it. The fiery angel singing, Kadosh, Kadosh. And, he, and the whole building is shaking. And he's standing there, and now I see I have unclean lips. He was shattered. This great man of God. But praise God for his humble heart. He admitted it and said, oh my God, it's me. It's also me. You know what? I think there was a long silence. I'm convinced that he was sobbing. He was shaking. He was terrified. Sinful man cannot stand in the presence of the Holy One. Was leprosy going to break out on him? Was he going to drop dead? That silence, that moment, brothers and sisters, when you have an encounter with him, we're undone. We can't do anything. Years ago when I had an encounter with him in a car on Mount Carmel before I was married, he was all fire. And I had just been asking him, him to speak to me. And I had just read that he's the God who answers by fire on this mountain. And I couldn't move. I couldn't drive the car. And just waves and waves of his presence came. But you know what it was? It was his love. You know why this happens to Isaiah? It's because God loves him so much. This is all mercy. This is all mercy. It was Yom Kippur. God's over the mercy seat. Thank God for the mercy seat. Thank God it's not a judgment seat now. It's a mercy seat. He loved him so much he would show him his sin. There, there might be such wonderful communion with Isaiah and God. He was going to give him Isaiah 53. Danny, aren't you glad he did? The words that saved him. Hallelujah. He was going to give him this awesome revelation that the Messiah was going to be born of a virgin. But he had found a man who was desperate for more of him. And God met him. Hallelujah. You, we need to ask for encounters like this. But don't do it unless you mean it because he'll mess you up. <laughs> You'll be undone and won't know what to do. And then he can use you. Hallelujah. So in this silence, with this smoke, with the glory of 
Ah, what could he have been looking at? All of a sudden, one of the angels flies down to the altar. The victim was burning on the altar. It was Yom Kippur. It was Yom Kippur. It's the altar of love. It's the altar where the sin gets burned up. It's the altar of grace. Down flies this fiery being. Can you imagine Isaiah seeing this fiery being coming toward him? And as he stood there in his holy fear, this angel, verse 6, one of the seraph, seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live pole which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This man could still feel some pain. He, w- he wasn't a spiritual leper. Look, it doesn't feel good when God points out his sin to us, but when he purges it and puts it in the sea of forgetfulness, and it's gone forever, and we're new, and it's under the blood of the Messiah, it's, we need a confrontation. We need a confession. And then the cleansing comes. Hallelujah. And then the commissioning. He's ready to, now he's ready to be used. Hallelujah. So he says, then he hears the, it was only then that he heard God. My friends, if you don't ask him to cleanse you, if you don't have encounters with him, if you don't let his word be a rima word to you and jump off that page and get into your heart, you may think you're, you may think you're hearing, you may not be hearing. One time, one time I said to this godly lady who married a man that in the natural wouldn't make any sense. I said to her, they've been married for, I don't know, 40 years or something, mightily used of the Lord both. I said to her, how did you know it was Jimmy? And she said, well, I was walking in holiness as best I knew how, and I fell in love with him, so it had to be him. (laughs) It's so simple. Get your act together with God, and you'll hear his voice, and he'll use you. Now, here's what he hears. Whom shall I send? Here's this man undone, can't even get into the, the, the temple that he's seeing. Can you imagine how he must have felt when God pointed out his sin and then removed it? He must have been blubbering. <laughs> the times I've been undone, all you can do is blubber. I mean, you, you can't even make coherent sounds. God is so good. So they're probably... You know, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was weeping, I was crying, I was shouting, I was dancing, I was singing in another language. They were giving me paper towels, and it was all joy. <laughs> you know why? Because I was undone. Hallelujah. And I hope I left a lot of garbage there when I staggered out of that place. But then you hear, whom shall I send? You mean you want to send somebody? You? God, God would condescend to want to use somebody, but like Yuri? Don't laugh, Gidon. It's, it's true about you, too. Hallelujah. You want to use me? I, I'm a puddle here on the floor. You can't use me. And he says, who will go for us? Hallelujah. This, <laughs> I have met more people. I know a pastor in Syria, in Damascus. And he went to America to Bible study, Bible school. He speaks good English. They wanted him to stay in America. 
They went back to Damascus. I said, why'd you go? He said, Isaiah 6 got me. Let Isaiah 6 get you. <laughs> you know, we have a friend that uh, lives in uh, Uganda. A wonderful man of God. He moves in this kind of uh, pr travailing prayer that is just contagious. And, and everybody's, when he was here, there were just puddles of tears here. John Melinda, maybe some of you know who he is. And he, he, t he told us once years ago, he was planting congregations in Uganda. You know, pastors had been killed by Idi Amin and all these terrible things that had happened there. And uh, God dealt with him one day and said to him, it's all flesh. And he went, what? I've been planting all these congregations. You know what happened? He had an Isaiah 6 experience. The whole movement, they all came together. They all repented and wept, and God showed them all their sins, and they all thought they were holy and were doing good works. Now that lo the Lord has used that movement to transform Uganda. It's on the Transformations 2 video. What's beautiful about this moment of silence? You get to the place if you want to go there. I mean, he wanted to go there. He was after God. And when this happens to you, and there's nothing left of you, then it's like, I'm totally helpless. It's then that God took the initiative. He whispered to that angel, get a coal. <laughs> go burn his lips. <laughs> but look, it's all grace. God did that. Because he found a heart that he could work with. And so the man was cleansed. Now, he was married to a prophetess. We know that. I, I've often thought about him going home that day. He probably crawled home. And his wife might have said, what happened to you? <laughs> and he wrote it down and it's called Isaiah 6. <laughs> and it's been raising up men and women of God for centuries. You know, this is the altar of divine love. But we, don't, we hear all kinds of other stuff. You know how I know that? One of the words for, for coal, uh, the, like the coal that he took off the... We, we don't have time to turn there, but if you go to the end of the Song of Solomon, the Shir HaSharim, Song of Songs, it's all about the bride and the bridegroom in this unending love. And it talks about the fiery altar, the fire of his love. And one of the words for the, the fire there is coal. You know, it was the flame of God's love that came at him. This all points to Yeshua dying for us. The victim, the innocent victim on Yom Kippur. And God takes a little bit of that fire. And here we are on Mount Carmel. We sing about it. We shout about it. Lord, send the fire. Oh, this is the fire. He's the God who answers by fire. But it's for a people that really want to walk like this. And you, you can study great men and women of God. I've done it for years. And people would see Oswald Chambers, and they would say, what a great man of God. 
And he would write in his diary, I'm going through these fiery trials the Lord has sent in my life to burn the sin up in me so I can write these things that will change people's life. There was a man in India named John Hyde. This man was so godly. And people would say, wow, he's, he's what a powerful man of God. And you read about him, and he was living in Isaiah 6. So when he came forth, he had the word of the Lord, and revival broke out in India. So all I have to say to you this morning is we need to be undone. We need to want to be undone. So our stuff is burned up. And the Holy One of Israel is working through us. You know, he's the spirit of holiness. And glory of glories, he says, I want to impart my holiness me, to you that you can live a holy life with all that filth out there and walk a victorious life. But it takes encounters where we're un undone. You know, sometimes the worm of leprosy sneaks into us. You need to ask the Lord to sensitize you. Get it early. Get it early. Don't be like Solomon and not deal with your women problem till you're an old man. It's too late. Listen. Everything needs to change. It's not enough to say, wow. God used me so much. That, that's yesterday. This is today. Everything needs to change. You know, I don't want a mediocre walk. I want, I want everything gone so that God can do what all the things that he wants to do through me. And, and I need to see my sin as God sees it. You see, Uzziah didn't. But Isaiah saw it. Oh my God. I have unclean. But because he said, you're right. God changed his lip. God changed the world through this man. Before I was a believer, scholars used to say that the greatest literature in the world, in poetry, is the book of Isaiah. We need to be undone. How, how many of you here want this? How many of you want to be messed up by God? You'll get rid of your mess, and then you'll have awesome power. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's stand. One thing I know, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. And God can do more by the power of his Holy Spirit in an instant than you can try to do for yourself in 25 years. And God wants you to long for an encounter like Isaiah had, that you can be undone. Now, those of you that raise your hands, come on up here now. Just, as, just, just come on up, and we're going to believe God will do something. Come up as close as you can. You can, you can sit, stand, kneel, doesn't matter. It's the posture, of, the posture of your heart is what's important. You know, maybe you're at that place Isaiah was at. Something really shook you or shattered you. You're going through a real severe trial. But you came here today and, and you heard about the Holy One. And the, the Holy One is here. 
Praise God. And he loves us. Father sent the Son to die for us. That we might be filled with Ruach HaKodesh. He's holy. This impartation of the Spirit of God and this clothing with the Spirit of holiness on So if the Lord has shown you something in your own heart, and maybe it's with your lips like it was with Isaiah, just in this silence, just tell him, I see it. Or maybe you're not sure about it. Ask him to show it to you. And uh, just take this moment of silence and offer your heart to the Lord. You know, I was talking about this this morning. It's also about motivation, characteristics, things like that. You know, that attitudes toward people that aren't merciful and godly. Well, you're at the mercy seat. It's covered with the blood of Yeshua. He's the innocent lamb, the Passover lamb who died for us. And now it's after Passover. We can be covered by that blood. By just saying, Lord, I stand on your word. I share my heart with you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Sanctify me. Purify me. Lord, I I ask you that you would speak to everyone in this place. That they would long for encounters with you. That we all might be undone. Not just once. But we would live a lifestyle of such deep communion with you. That you would empower us to walk supernatural victory. Don't let anyone here become an Uzziah. Raise up some people in this place, like Isaiah, who will say, I'm undone. And then, Lord, we'll hear your voice saying, son, daughter, I can use you. You're becoming a vessel of honor, fit for the master's. Now, let's worship him. Let's praise him. He's worthy of our praise. That shattering beauty of Jesus, Yeshua, that Isaiah saw in the temple. John confirms that it was Yeshua that he got a glimpse of. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Hallelujah. Lord, you're so beautiful. We ask you to beautify us by the power of your spirit. Help us become undone people that walk in the power of your spirit. Holy. on Yeshua. He's high and lifted up. He's the Lord of armies.
Com. Thank him. We thank you for your blood. Sanctify us by your blood, Lord. Make us holy by your blood, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Lift your hands. Come, Holy Spirit. Clothe us, fill us, change us, guard us, protect us, comfort us. Hallelujah. With the spirit of grace and supplication. Hallelujah. He's coming. He's coming. Hallelujah. He's coming for his bride. Kadosh! <laughs> 